Do you want to hear what the best and most influential minds in the golf and turf industry have to say on issues affecting the world of golf? Turf grass and turf equipment? That's why I'm here. Tune in as Steven Tucker takes us on a journey with some of the nation's best minds and finds out what they think. If you were looking for excitement, you have found the right place. Welcome to the Turf Addict Podcast. All right, guys, thanks for uh, being here on uh, episode four, I believe it is now, of, uh, of my podcast. I am here this week with uh, Thomas Bastis, good friend of mine, uh, past superintendent at the Cal Club and uh, now PGA Tour agronomist. I was trying to mix it up a little bit uh, on this one to kind of give people a little bit different look outside the equipment management realm and and what all goes into uh, setting, not necessarily just setting up for PGA Tour events, but you know, from a different point of view, you know, we know from superintendents and technicians what our thoughts are on certain things. But what about when you look at it from a PGA Tour agronomist side? So, welcome, uh, Thomas Bastis. Thomas, good to have you here, man. Absolutely, happy to be here as well. Well, great, man. Um, so, where are you at this week? Uh, Idaho, I think. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm learning that there is a uh, there's a phonetic way of saying where I'm at, and I would have thought it was just Boise, but now I hear it's Boise, oh. almost like a, a, a hissy z at the end of it. I I've, I've only been here for like a day or two, so I'm 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 trying to get the nuance so I don't sound too close to Californian. I have this strange way of wherever I'm at, just kind of oddly adapting to however people say things, whether I'm in Ireland or Mexico or I don't know. So I don't know how this is going to play out. (laughs) So are you saying it like that now, or are you just saying it when you're in town? Maybe I'm overemphasizing the fact that I'm saying it like Boise to let people know that I know that I know about what I should know. Right. So, we're going to roll with that until somebody says, you know, you're, you sound like an idiot, which which happens quite quite often, <laughs> m- mostly from my, my family. I get the same thing, too. Right. Yeah. I don't think if you're if you're not if you're not falling, you're not trying. That's that's right. And, you know, I think uh, another question I have and we might as well get this out front now and not really yeah, save yeah. it to the end. Are you wearing the puffy jacket this week or is it so hot that you really can't even use the lightweight one? I have it with me. It's uh, it's 92, uh, and it's a hot, hot. Granted, I am in the shade, but I actually I have two puffs. Okay. I have kind of like the the full Patagonia vest puff show, and then there's the um, the pseudo puff, which is kind of like you know, maybe they just stitched what looks like puff on the front to give the illusion of. And, and, and take your money to, you know, just like if it was a puff. But uh, I've got one just in case it's you know, a little nipply in the morning. You know, I usually keep those things on to at least 75, 80 degrees. So, like, do you have a closet, a portion of your closet dedicated to those? Or do you just have Ooh. those go-tos, the two or three that you carry with you everywhere? Well, I try to find ones that are color appropriate that kind of lead to a more domineering kind of, you know, visual appearance, just in case I happen to be on television. You know, I've got the dark blue or the black. Uh, I try to stay away from, you know, the ones that everybody has, although it's very difficult. Um, you mean but the orange a, and gray? There is, well, there, there is a space. There is a space in the garage where I have, you know, I have quite a few jackets, more than just puff. I have kayak jackets, rain jackets, cycling jackets. I have a, I have so many jackets. I'm a, a closet jacket bleep. So well, I think you're known on the Twitterverse for for the puffy jackets. So I just I wanted to get that cleared up right away, so everybody <laughs> kind of knew where we were coming from. <laughs> it just kind of you know it's funny as as I was making prior to the PGA tour, I was making these goofy videos on on YouTube. Um, one was like, I've got my drone stuck in a tree. Another one was just talking about cart paths. And I, and I used Casey Neistat as a, um, as a, as a 
vlogging muse and he always wore these glasses um these ray-ban glasses that he would spray paint white and then he would scratch the white off the actual uh lens portion of them just to make them that they were unique and he wore those uh a as a distinguishing factor but b so that when he's doing the close-up video work of, of his face or he's talking to the camera you can't see where he's looking so he can kind of be positioning himself so that he can see whether he's, you know, he's, he's in the frame square or like, but you'd never know it. He's still talking to the camera straight on. So uh, not necessarily that, that kind of thing, but I don't know. Maybe it's a shtick uh, to be known as the Puffy Jacket guy. That's where it <laughs> well, came from. Puffy Jacket Productions, I believe, was the name of it, wasn't it? There it is. Puff, oh. The Puff Jacket Productions. So. <laughs> nice. Nice. All right. So, you know, obviously uh, you've been – uh, tour agronomist now for what a couple of years um yeah what do you think um how is it i know you know we talked about it before uh you actually did it we talked about you know travel and family and balancing work and family um what do you think now that you're into it a little bit more uh do you still feel the same way do you feel better about it what are your thoughts uh you know i, I actually I feel, I feel a lot better about it um i i guess initially a you know, when you get hired uh, at any job, there's this uh, there's this kind of desire to prove that you were the one um, that you were the right one that they selected. Right. You know, like you know whether it's this being a superintendent for your first time that you know you want to prove to them that there was value in hiring you and and there was so much observation needed in this job. Uh, at the start, you know, it was difficult to quantify if, if, uh, I was making a contribution at all. Right. Um, so, you know, internally you're trying to feel, you're trying to feel out whether you're adding, uh, you know, and so you're trying to just quanti quantify whether you were worth it or not. Right. Um, and I think through some reviews, uh, I I'm, I'm doing okay. So I'm feeling better, but, you know, another agronomist told me that it, it, it would take, you know, two years until you feel comfortable. It'll take you five years until you feel like you're adding and or if you, you've met everybody. This business is so big um, that, uh, you know, I'm still meeting people for the first time um, at this job. Right. Um, and, and I, I, I it's going to continue, you know, as, as as people ebb and flow in the business as well, coming in and out, just like, you know, my former uh, position it's just it's just a constant networking of people right do you, so do you feel like the superintendent position um set you up for kind of mm, what's the word for it just high, like the superintendent role was higher expectations than the one you are now does it feel like you got pushed a lot more as a superintendent than you do now because your boss now understands what you're going through every day versus as a member or a guest, um, they don't all get it all, right? They don't. They don't understand all the pieces. Yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, unfortunately or fortunately, depending upon how you view it, um, being a superintendent prior to this position, which the vast majority of us uh, uh, of our PGA tour agronomists have been, I think one of the best things that we can bring with us from our former positions is is that of um, of empathy. You know, we've we've all been in crisis situations. We've all been in when you know we need to dry the golf course out, or you know, a tree falls unexpectedly one way or the other, or dealing with unrealistic expectations. You know, um, so having that so that you can be empathetic to the superintendent and the position that they're in, kind of you know puts you on their side right um you know i i maybe by my own personal nature uh and i and i and i've tried many different approaches to see what can 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 work best when trying to develop a relationship with the superintendent and i think that's probably the, the biggest thing is that i try to develop a relationship with that superintendent rather than coming in a bull in a china shop using the you know capital letters behind my name and saying you must and you shall right and if you don't know the difference between those we're, you know we're going to be at odds and tough luck because i'm out of here in two weeks 
Sure. You know, I, 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 I'm sure that approach has been used, um, maybe not to success, maybe to, maybe to success. Maybe, you know, I think every situation is a bit different and I, and I do try to keep my eyes and my ears open at every new opportunity to see how it might be different. Sure. Um, you know, I have, you know, I try to pick the brains of the other agronomists and, 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 and see how they do things, but that's kind of my approach. No. And our, our our standards, you know, as far as them being any different, I think they're just on a macro level. I mean, the business is so big, the audience is 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 bigger. Um, the players are just as important as the members of your own club, and right. sometimes we're managing the expectations of our players, who I work for, not necessarily my immediate supervisory boss but you know we all work for the players much like a lot of us superintendents work for our members right so um and we you know i i don't think that any of the standards are any less than i i've actually seen where some members at clubs are even more demanding than our pga tour players right which is which is kind of odd you would think the opposite yeah for some especially <laughs> yeah our players are you know, are highly tuned in. Um, they get it. Uh, and almost surprisingly so. Um, I mean, but they're, they're, they're completely in the right for wanting to blame, you know, mother nature for an errant shot and errant this or that, because nobody, nobody as just a person wants to blame themselves for doing anything wrong. Sure. You know, I mean, it's just, it's some people just, aren't as introspective and some people are but just in general i mean just like your members right. they don't want to blame themselves for not knowing how to hit a bunker shot it's easier to blame the sand no, i get it um do you see any different i mean what do you what are the similarities and differences between your old role and your new role i mean is it more so you're just getting snapshots now where you're more day-to-day -day before is that kind of the way you would characterize it well, I, I, I have equated my position as, as being like a grandparent. Follow me through this if you can, all yep. right? You know what it's like to be a parent yourself now, right? right? Yep. And at some point, the kids or your kids, my kids, um, are going to get older, but you never stop being a parent, right? Right. Whether they're out of the house or not. Well, then you get to the grandparent stage, and now I get to play with the kids and hand them back right. yet still have that, that feeling of, of family and still being in touch. I don't, I probably, I'm not going to know, you know, like what the latest, uh, uh, diaper genie is or something like that. And I'm using some, some sure. ha ha funny kind of comparisons, <laughs> but I'm not too far away from the, the realm of things. I'd probably say that more so, um, I'm seeing a lot more of, of, of how to skin a cat. There's so many different ways to do this profession. I, I, I think I've even been recorded as saying there's so many times, so many different ways to do this, but it's true. There absolutely is. And every place is completely different. Sure. So the similarities are definitely there and the differences are, are definitely there. And I think that the differences are where us as agronomists try to uh, help our uh, host organizations right. uh, or host facilities. If you can imagine, you can imagine you're trying to pull off this major uh, project and you have a buddy who's done similar projects and together you can, you can do this together. How much more confidence do you have in, and a confidant and making decisions? In fact, your buddy has done more of these things and is there to kind of like say, yeah, I think that's a good idea or no, I don't think that's a good idea based on how many of these I've done. Right. Well, you we've, know, we've talked uh, about that a yeah. lot in the past too. You know, yeah. it's much easier to um, to lead with help, right? Uh, to be able yes. to lead a golf course and have someone helping you do that, helping you make those decisions, having someone to bounce ideas off of versus being at the top and then it gets really lonely. And if you alienate everyone, you end up trying to do it all by yourself because no one wants to help you. Or you absolutely feel like you have to do everything yourself because you're a control freak. Sure. So <laughs> yep. it's like, I'm the only guy that can do that. And you're like, really? Okay. Cause there's going to be a lot on your plate 
So a lot of times is even if that person is that um, as a superintendent, it doesn't mean that he's well, it doesn't mean that he's wrong, but he right. could be more effective, but he's getting the job done. I've seen it where he is getting the job done. And sometimes what I try to do is I try to relieve the pressure so he can stay doing what he, you know, how, how he's performed. You know, the last thing I want to do is come in and turn something upside down. There's a level of success that each one of these people that we work with has. Right. The idea is how can I help that person? Sure. So I see myself trying to mold more to them uh, and their management style versus trying to say that I know what, what what is going to work here and this is the way you do it. Right. So do you That's tend to go to places it. and you know you get those people that really want to help you and and they want to do what's best and then you get the other ones that you feel like they don't need you there, you know like kind of like the new salesman, right? That comes by and you're like he brings <laughs> you his big box of tricks and all these new products yeah. that are just going to make your roots grow. Um, yeah. and you're like, "Really?" I mean, Seriously, I mean, is that is that how you feel, or or you know, uh, what what's your thought? You know, the thing is, is that I think that, I think that I can get that in in one superintendent. I, I think, yeah, I, I think that people just have there's. Uh, I think Dave Wilbur wrote about this recently, where he was talking about guys that are definite foldier guys and guys that are definite granular guys, you know, and you're like, huh, really? <laughs> Could you explain that? You know, it's just, or I'm a deep water guy or I'm a lightning frequent guy. You know, there's just like, you want to know why. And I, yeah. and I think, I think in, in the position that I'm in, if I lead with why from an, an inquisitive yep. standpoint, I'm going to ultimately win. I, I think the way I'm effective is I, I, I battle with, I, I, I wear you down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wear you down with questions that you're like, all right, I'll try it. You know, I think that's maybe a little bit more of my approach, but or I seem to have more success with that. But you know, equally there are guys that just don't need yeah. help. Well, um, I agree. I, I also think that a lot of people have trouble answering why, you know, yeah. It, 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 even in, you know, from the equipment management side of the business, when you ask the question why, you either get a blank stare in the face like, well, I don't really know why, or you get the answer, right? You get the long detailed, this is why, this is what we do, this is the procedure, this is what's worked for us in the past. Um, yeah. Malcolm Gladwell would, glad, would, would <laughs> gladly, gladly take that scenario. If you and I were to take a poll and give a survey, um, with I don't call a hundred turf technicians or a hundred superintendents, and we were to ask a question with within probably thirty seconds, we could figure out whether or not this person was going to be a help or a hindrance or right. be receptive or not. And usually, what I found if somebody leads with, "Well, I've been doing this for twenty five years." <laughs> I knew immediately that oh. I'm I'm in for a long day. Yeah. yeah. Because I and sometimes I fire back with with a chuckle, but I fire back with, "Did you ever think that you were doing it for 25 years wrong?" Yeah. And you know that's tough. Even with you know the consulting and stuff that I do, I see these same things, and it, I you know it, it sometimes it feels like it it's they're just trying to feel you out in the beginning to see yeah you know what you know and what they don't know or are you trying to find what they don't know and it's right. never really about that you know you're no i think even i think the positions are fairly similar uh from a pga tour agronomist to a consultant i mean there's a lot of similarities that are there you're getting snapshots you're seeing maybe a property once or twice a year you know the difference being obviously the conditional week or the condition couple weeks but you're right. you're there to help and yeah, you know, I think that holds people back a lot of times because they feel you're kind of there to tell them what to do or tell them where they're doing things wrong, instead of right. looking at at it. You know, well, what can I take away from this instead of what you know? Where do I push back? Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And I'm I'm constantly, as much as I'm reading turf articles, I'm I'm reading articles on uh, perceptive uh, perception. Again, I, I brought Malcolm Gladwell and and. Um, 
and I'm reading a book now. It's called Blink, right. and it's it's the uh, the non-verbal type of of call it um, perceptiveness that can happen within seconds that will lead you to make a decision um, instantaneously. Right. You know, uh, he uses I think he uses the example of. Um, you know, if, if you're being getting ready to be attacked by somebody, you don't have the time to re, uh, to to go. Well, if I do this, then that will happen. If I do that, it's that instantaneous moment that certain people can somehow, you know, evaluate the situation and make the right decision. Right. You know, and he uses you know he uses all sorts of examples. I'm very very intrigued by it uh, because I think that there's a certain amount of uh, sizing up when somebody comes to, new to the property, right. uh, whether it's a consultant, whether it's a salesperson, whether it's, you know, myself. Um, and, you know, what we're all trying to do as managers, and I wouldn't necessarily consider myself a manager, but I think what we're all trying to do is get somebody to do something differently than what they're doing, or at least that's the real trick and the nuance. And to do that without establishing a relationship is 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 very difficult right and the amount of time that you have on the ground the amount of questions that you're asking could be perceived as either being nosy or they could be perceived as the guy's just inquisitive and he wants to know what i'm doing and some people to you can't stop them from talking and other people clam up and go well why are you asking right uh, i've found it's easier to go in um educating you know, walking around the property, looking, you know, what things could I, could I talk about, you know, just yeah. in general, right? Not what are you doing wrong and what, it, what am I going to tell you to do, right? But more in general, you know, if you looked at things like this, the big picture of cutting units as an example, and, and this procedure, could you see that benefiting and, and why? And, you know, what are some of the things that challenges that you guys have? And, and more trying to educate rather than pick and prod and find and then give you a solution, right? Uh, Absolutely. I, I just try to approach it more in an educational aspect so that you don't, you know, j jump right off to the conclusion that I'm there to tell you what to do, um, but more so I, that I'm I've there to help. I've even taken a slower approach sometimes. Yeah, yeah. I've even taken a, hey, could you tell me how you're doing it? I have a great example. So as you could well imagine, I am not without my own failures Yes, all of you know, us. Podcast world fail, fail often, but I try to learn from them. Um, I, I've, you know, I've, I've, I've been successful and not successful even in this position. And one of the funny ones was, so I was in, uh, I was in Florida doing a tournament, keeping tournament names and stuff like that uh, out of it. But people will know. And there's a certain amount of of uh, checking and verifying that in my position needs to happen right you know is the flag stick in the hole is the cup <laughs> in the hole i mean oddly enough if we didn't do that at some point or another there might not be a flag you get it on the simplest yep. of terms and it was funny the group that i was working with there they gave me this this slogan it's called trust but verify and it's a it's an old ronald reagan uh mikhail gorbachev kind of thing look it up on youtube but um in essence, I came up with this checklist of things that absolutely all the time have to get checked. Like, I need to make sure that the guys that I am going to be changing, that are going to be changing the cups for this deal, know what they're doing. Yeah. Right? I mean, you're not just going to send me the intern and who's never changed cups, and that's happened, um, without at least kind of going, uh, has anybody checked to see if this guy can do this? <laughs> oh, well, I thought, you know, I mean, there's that there's, you know, there's checking every bunker to make sure the rakes are on the outside or in the right direction. And then there's the sand is doing this and you know, there that the greens are clean. There's, Hey, I'd love, you know, we want to check the guys, how they roll, see it, make sure that the guy in the front nine is rolling like the guy in the back nine. Hey, let's talk about hand watering. I've got a checklist. And I can remember going in there with my with my checklist saying to the superintendent, hey, I need to check out your your uh, your setup guys, your two setup guys. Do you mind if I grab them and we can go, you know, I can go check that off my list. Kept saying the word check. He goes, sure. So I get the two guys out there. One of the guys is newer. 
and the other guy has, has been there for a while. And I say, Hey, I'm going to go check you out. I want, I just got to make sure you know what you're doing on all this kind of stuff. And the guy kind of gave me this weird vibe. The other guy was fine. And I'm kind of going, what's up with this guy? Why is he? And I'm like, you know, I almost was like, Hey, is there a problem? And I, and I, and I ultimately did go up and say, did I do something wrong? And he goes, look, I have been changing cups for this tournament for the last 15 years. I don't need somebody like you telling me what to do. And I was like, whoa, hold on a second. Whoa. I, and I apologized. I said, you know, my bad. Right. My apologies for that. I did not mean to do that. And what I took away from that is I took away and I went in a different push. My next, my very next tournament, when I make, when I have failures like that, I can't wait to get to the next tournament because I want to try these things out. Yeah. I went up to the cup cutter guys and I said, Hey guys, is there any chance that we could get together and you guys could show me and maybe you could teach me something that I could take along the road. So rather than saying, Hey, I'm trying to check off to make sure you know, you're doing right. I was like, Hey, could, maybe you guys might be able to teach me something, give them an opportunity. And I think that kind of sets them back as, as how the week is going to kind of go. Right. And if I have a suggestion Hey, have you ever tried it this way? Yep. And if they did something that was a little off, there's where I would throw in the why. Sure. Well, it, it's true that people don't come into work every day to do a bad job. I mean, I don't believe anybody wakes up to go in. You know what? I'm going to screw the pins up today. Right? <laughs> right. So, so it's right. all an approach, though, uh, how you Absolutely. approach somebody. And, and you know, if they could pick up something new, they would if you approached it the right way. But if you approach it from a different angle and telling them they don't know what they're doing or at least they feel that way, then you're going to get nothing. Right? They're going to shut down yeah. and, you know, you may not talk to them again. <laughs> so. Yeah. 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 And, and, and to think that in the two plus years that I've been doing this, this, this job now that those learning moments are still available for me is, is super, super cool. That's why I really enjoy, uh, doing what I do. Um, cause I'm trying to change as, as fast as I can to ultimately when you, when it comes down to it, yes, I am a trust, but verify, uh, position out on the tour. Uh, I call myself almost a turf grass insurance agent when you you need me i'm there when you when I'm probably you know i'm there to, to assist when when it goes upside down um and i'm also there to, to see if we can move the needle on uh if not maybe to get to the piece of, I'm, the, I'm the i'm the the last person that needs to help get that roller that you've always wanted because there really is a need all sorts of ways in our facilities. So, yeah. So, tell me about player input. You know, uh, how much input do they have on the setup, and and is it input like at the beginning of the year they kind of set their expectations? Is it per place, and you you find out hours before? I mean, how does the player input work with you guys? <laughs> That's funny. There's. There's uh, there's a little bit of um, on our side of things. I think every, every tour site is a little different, but we work hand in hand with the um, the tour rules officials. Yep. The tour the rules officials are the guys that uh, and gals that that manage the competition. So. We ask them, where would you like the green speeds? How are we on firmness? How are we on these conditions? And as a response to how they want to manage the tournament, we go back and try to formulate a plan with the superintendent to achieve those conditions. Okay. That's the, that's the, that, that's kind of how it goes. Now, that doesn't mean that the rules official doesn't come up to me and goes, hey, what do you think? That doesn't mean that we can't go to them and say, "I, you know, we're we're getting a little too fast on this. Do you mind if?" That doesn't mean that one of the players uh, comments to one of our rules officials, and we can take input uh, and vice versa. Um, but it's not it's not day in day out. Uh, oh, this needs to happen from players, right? Um, 
you know, our, our scoring officials are, are really good at, you know, hearing from players. Because a lot of times the superintendents, we kind of crave a little bit of feedback, you know. Right. Um, and and the, the scoring officials are really good at letting us know, you know, when things are good and discerning what can be constructive criticism that, like, leaves us an opportunity to improve versus... Somebody's just complaining because they they signed their card for a ninety or something. Like right. That. Yeah. Um, so it's a really great team working with everybody because um, we all want to be here, which is which is super cool. Yeah. Um, so what about equipment managers? You spend much time with them in the shop, and um, you know, obviously, you did. You're you're visiting different levels of golf courses all the time, from PJ Tour events to you know, maybe the, uh, what's, what's the, is it's not, it's obviously it's not buy.com tour. What is, uh, Oh, it's corn ferry. <laughs> so, I mean, what do you see out there in terms of equipment management? Do you see, uh, is it all over the place? Do you, are you getting the highest level of guys at each, at each place? And, you know, mainly for those guys that are out there listening that want to do PGA Tour event in the future, and yeah. and what things do they need to work on? What things do they really need to be able to focus on to be able to do those types of events? Oh, these are great questions. Okay, so I think uh, I think first off, I think uh, equipment technicians are are you know by far the uh, unsung heroes they're the ones that that stay in the so-called dungeons and i have seen some dungeons oh boy <laughs> i've seen some unbelievable working conditions and these guys suck it up and still get the job done um and they're they're i mean in some instances you know we need to be pushing these guys out uh because they can see they can single-handedly make a tournament right. that's how important these guys are so, um, in that vein, um, you know, the importance of it, I, I think that any time that a, an equipment technician is going to host one of these events, volunteering at all three levels of our, um, our tours, uh, PGA Tour, Champions Tour, and Corn Ferry Tour, uh, volunteering at any one of those for any amount of time is going to add some valuable perspective. And if we were to key in on things that um, consistently deliver good results, the first one is just being prepared, being prepared for everything. Um, you know, anytime that you are shooting from the hip, it will just come, the, the hip will need to be, will be sore, so to speak. Right. The, the amount of things that can go wrong, will go wrong, do go wrong. And then you get a five-inch rainstorm where the all the pumps that you thought that you were never going to use are now being used, and you need to go to the 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 golf course next door because you were supposed to have you know six and you didn't have those, and these are two that you're not used to working with. It's just having all that stuff in front of you, right. having systems for checking reels and getting help. You know, getting these. You know, maybe superintendents could help uh, their equipment technicians by, you know, maybe having a lunch at the golf club for all the guys, uh, all the local equipment technicians. So they at least get to talk to each other, exchange some numbers and stuff like that. So that if they don't know how to do something that they can they can call for more help. And that just that goes beyond just our tournaments. That just goes in general for the for the success of the club. And, and you'd be surprised and maybe you wouldn't, but maybe the listeners were, would that, you know, with the PGA tour itself, it's not about us. In fact, my job is not about me. It used to be, it used to be all about me. Uh, but it's not anymore. It's about the clubs and how can we value add to the club, to the players, to all of our charities, uh, to make this event successful. So anytime that I can value add with the, an equipment technician, if there's an opportunity is, is, is a great one. Now it doesn't always happen because some technicians have got their lack of a better word, S H I T together. Right. Um, but then there are some opportunities and there, the, the opportunities 
you know, I don't try to look for them. Um, I approach equipment technicians with, uh, with, was it fragile, as they would call it, (laughs) (laughs) but, um, and, and it's, and, and in fact, I, I've learned and, and even call it the hard way that I, you know, I talk to the superintendent first and say, Hey, I'm going to work through you. I don't want to pull aside your assistant superintendent or your mechanic and offer suggestions uh, unless he's going to hurt himself. But, um, I'm going to work through you unless you say it is okay. Or you bring me into the conversation with that mechanic and establish that rapport. Superintendents have a tendency and rightfully so to be very, um, protective of their assistants. You'd be surprised. I'm sorry, their mechanics. You'd be surprised at during a tournament how many times because the equipment technicians are so good that they're they're fixing rental equipment. They're the guy that's sitting in the shop that's idle that when something hits the fan, they're running it from the shop out to the field instead of somebody coming out from the field into the shop back out to the field. They're that guy. They're that 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 ready go to guy. Right. So during tournaments, seeing that mechanic as that guy and having it con- everything under control is really nice to see. So they're yeah. vital. You know, I think uh, this is you know this subject in particular. I mean, you get just like with superintendents, you get a lot of different personalities. Um, Actually, the mo- yes, the more golf courses that I visit, the more I I learn that everybody's different. Not every situation is the same, and you can't walk in with a list and expect that you're going to get it executed the same way you did at the last one, right? It it doesn't work like that. It, everybody has just a, a different a different way they like to see things or hear things or do things, um, and you have to learn to work with that. Um, still get the job done, but work with what you what you have. And I think you know from an equipment manager standpoint, the challenges that I sometimes see is just that, that unwillingness to want to learn more, right? To get better. It's, I've done it this way for this long and no one's ever complained. So I'm just going to keep doing it this way. And why all of a sudden is somebody worried about it when they haven't been worried about it before? Do you, do you see some of that? Absolutely. There's a, there's a book, which I, the only thing I can remember about the book for the most part is its title is who moved my cheese. And, you know, it, it, it works on the principle that, you know, if you, we like routine at any time, I guess maybe the older we get, maybe I'm getting that way too. Uh, the more that you change routine, the more that, you know, people can get upset with that. And, and if this person has been working in this space, doing the same things for the same time, that's probably why you get the responses. I've been doing this for 25 years. And you're like, Oh boy, here we go. This is going to be a lot. <laughs> you know where that's headed. <laughs> I do. I do. And it's funny. I actually giggle and, and probably I shouldn't, but, uh, because <laughs> when they say 95% of all communications, nonverbal or something like yes. that, and I, yep. I'm probably completely blowing it. <laughs> um, so, um, but uh, shoot, now I completely lost my train of thought because I'm 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 chuckling at the at the prospect of that. But yes, um, the unwillingness to to change, and sometimes you'll see it. You know, we'll go between mowing heights, and eh, that mowing height didn't look good. Let's try another, and and, and you get the the sigh of the, the head, the, the contempt for the superintendent that this is the second time that we've done this, and I'm kind of like, hey guys, this. This should have been figured out already. We, you know, I was out here eight weeks earlier. We're doing it the last moment. This is, right. You know, unfortunately, I don't get. I try to be empathetic in that situation, and at the, at that moment, I will probably refrain from saying something. But I'll probably find a better moment when we're eating ice cream sandwich to say, you know what, that probably could have, that could have gone a better way. What do you think? Right. You know. And well, one of the things notes. that I learned about that, Thomas, was, and we talked about it a little bit earlier, is if the person knew why you were doing it, would the attitude be different, right? If yeah. you didn't just say, hey, we need to lower the height by five thousandths, and you said, we need to lower the height by five thousandths because we're seeing a little bit of scalping on the edges and we think that five thousandths will make a difference, now I know why. 
right? So yeah. now I know why I'm going to go spend two hours resetting heights on everything because of that, right? Absolutely. It isn't that people don't want to do it sometimes. It's because they don't know why they're doing it. And once they know why, everybody, you know, well, not everybody, but, you know, you just have a different, you have a different attitude about it. It's the, it's the, I'm just changing it because I want to change it that people, they don't understand that, right? Well, let me ask you a question. Yep. Do you think that there are mechanics out there, and I've, I've surmised this, and I'm, I probably know the answer to it, that, that take the equipment personal? Uh, yeah. I mean, I think that you have equipment managers out there that have been at places for years that feel, you know, uh, they feel a sense of responsibility. Just like, I would say, just like the golf course to you. Um, when you're out there, right. And you feel like you've got this big hundred acre burden on your shoulders to make sure that everything looks good every single day. I think a lot of technicians and I, well, and I say a lot, but it's probably not a lot, but there are technicians out there that feel like this is their golf course, right? This is their equipment and it's all they've got and they want it taken care of and they want, they take personal pride and, and responsibility for it. But then you've also got the ones that they're just there to get that paycheck and then get the work done and get out of there. And, mm-hmm. and they get mad when you question anything because, Hey, you know, it's time to go home. I, I was supposed to be out of here two hours ago. And yeah. the ones that just care about today and can't see the future. And, and that's, that's where a lot of the challenges lie with some of the guys that I've seen out in the field is we can't get past today because we're we're just ready to get the work done that was assigned today and we can't see ahead. We can't we have a hard time seeing the next week or the next month because we either A have so much stuff piled on top of us to get done or we're not organized enough to get all of this work organized so that we can see the future. And, and that's where a lot of the challenges lie. I mean, I, I don't believe uh, you can read a Facebook post or anything, you know, any of the, it's all over the place where, well, if I had that kind of budget or if I had that many people or if I, you know, if only I had all these things. And I think that's part of why I wanted to bring you on here to kind of talk about some of this stuff is, listen, guys, it's it's in our pocket, right? It's it's up to us where our our career goes, where our next step goes. And if people don't see us trying our best and, and wanting to get better and better every year, then how are we going to get to that next step? Why would, why would anybody want to bring us into their situation to make it better if we can't even make the situation that we're currently in better? And I don't think, you know, I think we've got a portion of guys that are like that. I think we've got a portion of guys that are out there that want to do the best that they can do. And I think we've got some guys that are right there on the line that, they could go any way in the next couple of years. They could lean left or they could lean right. Um, at least that's that's the way I've I've seen it here in the in the last few years of traveling. Would you call that the difference between and I'm I'm using I don't know uh, maybe an unfair comparison between a part changer and a mechanic? Um, does it does that does that make sense? Where a person is just instead of trying to really fix something, they're just going to look for the part and go, oh, well, that's this part. I think, you know, versus the guy that can like, Ooh, we could do this to that. Is that kind of like the level changer there? I don't know if it's that because I think there's different positions that require, like as an example, you know, a parts changer I see as someone that is reactive, right? It's, it's like a superintendent that waits to get the disease and then treat it. There you go. Right. It's, it's all right. I'm going to wait for it to break and then I'm going to turn around and put a part on it. And it may not be a new part. It may be a part off another machine. Yeah. And, and those are the people that never get caught up. I think it's the same for superintendents, right? You get, you get behind and you don't have enough money to catch yourself back up again. Right. And you get, and you get, that's when you start shopping for these, you know, cheaper products because I need to make this money go further. Right. And we do the same thing in the shop. We go shopping at, you know, aftermarket parts. I I see that as actually in some instances, I see that as costing more money. It does cost more money. It does. uh, It's like a nickel holding up a dollar. Yep. And, and I will say in some cases, people have to do that. I mean, they're in situations where they just don't have a choice. Um, but 
We also get ourselves in those situations a lot because we make the wrong decisions. We, we go for the quick fix. I need it right now. We don't go yeah. for the let's fix it the right way so that it, you know we don't have this back in the shop in a week. Um, right. You know, I, t- I teach my guys uh, at the shop that, you know, listen, I'm not going to sit out here and, and push you to get things done. I don't I don't have time limits that I want. This should only take 15 minutes to do. But when it leaves the shop, I don't want it coming back. So as long as we can fix it the right way when it leaves and it doesn't come back to the shop, then I call that a success. It, mm-hmm. If we're chasing that thing around, then I'm, I'm, I'm wasting so much more money and time where we could be getting other things done because you have to chase it. And, and so that's what we try to avoid. Um, and it gives us more time to do the things that everybody else says. If we had that budget, we could do it. You know, um, we manage a, a huge amount of equipment that I would say is probably from a repair and maintenance budget side is mediocre in terms of what I've seen a lot of other equipment repair budgets out there. Uh, and it's only because I don't need to spend the money. If everything runs properly, we fix it properly. We spend the time to do the services. We, we, if we go through all of those things, then, then, you know, we end up saving money over the long run. If we wait for the stuff to break and then we go to fix it, it ends up costing us more money every time. It's like, it's like running that flat tire, uh, on its rim. And then not only am I replacing the tire, but I'm having to replace the rim. Right. And, and it works that way with pretty much everything. The longer you run it broke, the, lo- the more money it costs to fix it. Right. Yeah, we can make we can make comparisons as well out on the course, you know, between, you know, bunkers and, and thatch. If you don't get after it, it causes us more problems and issues. So, I mean, they're, they're endless parallels to what you're you're discussing. So. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the biggest, you know, the biggest thing is, is for me anyway, is, you know, our industry is not getting a lot of more technicians in, you know, we're stealing them from each other's golf courses. We're paying them a little bit more. And, and some of the other golf courses are, um, are just grabbing guys off the crew and putting them in spots. And sometimes, you know, they're not ready for that. They need someone to come in and train them. Right. I mean, they need to get all the training that they can get. you got, you know, I was, I was, I kid around at the club. I mean, you know, what other job do you know of where you put somebody making, you know, let's just say the average salary for equipment managers is fifty to sixty thousand dollars a year, and I'm going to have some people that are going to email me after this and say, "Hey, I'm not making fifty or sixty, but, <laughs> but you know, if you look at that as a as an average as an average salary, right? What other job do you know of puts two million dollars or a million and a half dollars worth of equipment in the hands of someone making fifty grand? You know, it, it, it there there isn't jobs like that, right? I mean, no right. one has that sort of power over a asset and makes, you know, that little of an income. But at the same time, we're asking these equipment managers to be, you know, good electricians, good at hydraulics, good at cutting units. We want them to weld. We want them to be specialists in all of these different categories. But if you go to an automotive shop, you've got a specialist in your transmission. You got a specialist in your engine, right? You got guys that'll change your tires. You got guys that do services. They're all special. That's what they're specializing in. So at some point you ask, okay, is there, are we asking too much for this, for this role? Should there be, you know, more people in the shop? And I think that's what we're starting to see more of, at least at our facility is, you know, I have 18 holes, but I have, you know, the hotel as well as our golf cart fleet. And I have, I have three guys besides me in the shop. And overall, you could say, well, from a salaries and wages standpoint, we're way, way higher than everybody else. But from a repair and maintenance budget, from a downtime on equipment, uh, from any, you know, any of that, we, we don't have issues like that. I mean, we have the rare occurrence of something happening, but uh, I would say at least 90, 92% of our time, that equipment does not come back to the shop. It doesn't have a flat tire. It doesn't have things that go wrong um, because we're able to spend more time on it. And the more time you can right. spend on something, right, the more, the more eyes you have, the, the easier it is to find some of those things. Absolutely. So, 
No, it's uh, it's interesting, and you know, obviously, you you see a lot of it, a lot of different different types, you know, from the from the top clubs that that have you know great great staff members, and and even I've been to some top clubs that you look at it and you say, well, you know, how are they qualified to be here? They should know some of these things. So, you know, I can look at some of those clubs and say that you know, these guys should be a lot better than they are sometimes. But at the same time, I can see some guys at really lower end clubs, Thomas, that are great and should be at at some of these elite clubs. Um, so absolutely, I, I see the, I I see the mix all the way all the way through. Yeah, the guys that end up being successful are those that are organized and have got it done before it's asked. Yep. I mean, it's just everything's ground before we get there. And if I ask them, they say, "Well, it's this is we're going to touch these." Other. They just they just have everything taken care of. I hear you, man. I wish it were that easy. I wish I right? wish everybody everybody could do that. And, and it is, it's <laughs> you know, it's just a matter of wanting to. You know, it's a want to. You didn't get to where you were by it just falling in your plate, right? I mean, you had to work hard to get there. You know, things don't That's just right. you know things don't just happen. You you have to make them happen. Um, Preparedness meets opportunity. Yeah, I hear you. <laughs> <laughs> well man i have had you here for an hour now and uh i really appreciate it uh you know great it's great talking to you i wish we had more time to spend together outside of you know obviously just talking on the phone and stuff um you know seeing you at the show i know you've got a tournament all the time when the show is there or i know is, it's a bummer is going Maybe on but yeah i mean uh i certainly always glad to talk to you and and uh you know on the odd occasion gave you advice but uh um i certainly appreciate your time and and giving some guys the insight on on what's going on around the pga tour and and your job as an agronomist and and uh i've always enjoyed it absolutely still learning and appreciate you as a as a valuable resource in my arsenal (laughs) all right man well hey have a good tournament this week and uh and stay in touch and and we all appreciate your time so thank you very much awesome all right man